Now, for those of you that don't understand, in Africa, we preach about a normal two hours. How many of you brought your lunch? <laughs> no, I won't, I won't keep you uh, too long. But uh, there's always been kind of confusion in Christianity uh, ever, since, ever since Christ uh, about salvation and about what, what is salvation. And Paul had to address that same thing, and it's the same that's prevalent uh, today throughout our whole society. I, I didn't grow up a Baptist. I didn't grow up in a Baptist home, uh, and, and I had the same, same difficulties. Uh, I, I hoped that, you know, I figured God was going to weigh it all out in the end, and, and I just hope I did enough good things to, you know, kind of push the scale the other way and uh, and, you know, I was good looking, so God let me in. Now, I found out that wasn't the case. I wasn't good looking, and, and I didn't have any good works at all. But the problem we face in all, these, all the different religions, you ever ask yourself, why do we have so many different religions that call themselves Christian? But there's so many different ones. And I think Paul addresses this in, in Romans chapter 1. I'd like you to turn there because we're going to just stay there the whole message. And uh, uh, just see what, how, how much we can get out of this, this passage here. I, I call the, message, the title of the message, Ignorance is Not Bliss. Ignorance is Not Bliss. Uh, people say, well, it's better to, you know, go ahead and do something and ask forgiveness. And <laughs> uh, No, not necessarily. Because in this case of salvation, uh, it's too late when you say, oh, sorry. It's not going to happen. In Romans chapter 10, let's just begin reading in verse number 1. And I'm just going to take this verse by verse. This is the way I like to study, this is the way I like to teach, verse by verse. Take that and just kind of look at it a little bit, and then we'll go to the next verse and see all, how all these tie in together. And that way, when you go back a month from now, two years from now, as you read it, you're going to see the same thing because the Word of God don't change. And it, it'll be a help to you. And this afternoon when you go back, get around the dinner table and talk about it. Talk about the message, you know. Talk about how good the preacher was. Amen. Don't have roast preacher, okay? I've been there enough. In, in this passage, he's, we, we first see a great, a great burden. Paul had a great burden for his people. He says, brethren, he's talking about the, the, the Jews here. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's been my prayer this last month. All that's going on, that God would save Israel. That God would save these people that are going through all of this tragedy. And it just broke my heart as I read the rest of this passage of what's actually going to happen. And it's, it's so sad. But he said, brethren, my heart's desire. What's your heart's desire? Do, do you really have a spiritual heart's desire? I've got brothers 
physical brothers uh, that are not saved. I wish you'd pray for them. I love them, but they're going to bust hell wide open. Without Jesus Christ as your Savior, religion won't do. Doing good things, feeding the hungry, all those things, they're, they're good things, but they won't do. Not one of them will get you into heaven. And he sorts this out as he goes through. He said, I, I, I've got a tremendous heart desire. He loved his people. I think I know you've got folks in your, you know, kin folks and neighbors and friends that, that you, you dearly love and that you really want them to go to heaven. I, I think most people do. And they pray for them and, and they want, want to see them do, do what's right. But you can't force them. No matter how you do it, you cannot force somebody, you can't make them become a Christian. Many people have a burden, but they don't, they don't know how to, to reach others for Christ. Uh, some people are confused, like Israel, as to what God's requirement. I didn't say man's, I didn't say Baptist or, or any, any group, but what God's requirements are for salvation. And Paul, here in this, this chapter, he explains why Israel was and why Israel is in its present spiritual condition as a nation. We, we can understand why they're doing what they're doing, why they say what they say, why they act the way they do. And he goes on in verse number two and he says, I, I see a great zeal. Uh, he, Paul had a great burden, but Israel had a great zeal here. Notice in verse number two, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to righteousness, or excuse me, according to knowledge. Now we know that Israel was God's chosen people. Uh, he, he named them that. The Israel had the word of God. They went to their their temple, they had a temple, and they would read the Word of God, and their, their, their priest would teach them the Word of God. They had all of that. They had their traditions, they had all their ceremonies, all of their, those things. But he said it was not according to knowledge. So in verse number three, I see the great problem. There's a great problem here. He says in verse 3, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now think about that. God has a standard that man does not have. God has a requirement for salvation that man has twisted and distorted and tried to put up his own standards as the standard to get to heaven. And he sorts out this entire thing here. He said, for being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish, what? Their own 
righteousness. They have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. You cannot, I cannot go to heaven by developing my own standard, my own rules to go to heaven. I was raised in the church 26 years. I, I was an altar boy. I knew when to turn to the altar and, and speak for the people. I knew when to turn to the people and speak for God. I'd been the candle lighter. I'd been the bell ringer. I'd been the president of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was the president in the, in the youth group and all of this. And I wouldn't have known God if he'd have walked in and introduced himself. It is in none of those things that I'd been told would get me to heaven. All their goodness, all their religion, all their traditions, their worship, God says was in vain. The word vain means empty. It's worthless. It's, it's nothing. All of the worship in, in, that they were doing, all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, all the, the ox and the, and the bullocks and the, the rams and the lambs, and all of that was worth nothing. That's why he said in the book of Hebrews, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. They were very zealous, but they did not understand they did not have the knowledge of God's righteousness. They did not have the discernment, as we talked about in, in, in Sunday school this morning. They, they couldn't sort it out. And I'm afraid that because of religion and, you know, I, I, I listen to Grandma or I listen to Aunt Susie or, or if you have an Aunt Susie, I apologize. But anyway... Uh, Whoever you're listening to, it, it's not their gospel. It's not their standard. We have to meet God's standard of righteousness. And that's what he says here. He says that Israel was ignorant of that. Even though they had the word, they held the word, they heard the word read, they studied all of this, they were still ignorant of God's righteousness. And I think that's the way it is in many churches today, even in many independent Baptist churches. People are ignorant of God's righteousness, what he requires for salvation. And it results in their own establishing their own righteousness. And that's why back in Romans chapter 1, hold your place here and just go to Romans chapter 1. This isn't in the message, but this is free. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. We may be here till midnight, I don't know. <laughs> Start in verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that what? Believe it to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, notice, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They're involved in the things of God. They're involved in the service of God. They're involved in all of these things. And God says they are holding the truth in unrighteousness. When they come to Jesus and said, hey, uh, we're, we're going to go to heaven. And Jesus said, I, I never knew you. They said, well, we prophesied in your name. We did many wonderful works. We did all these things. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Religion outside of Jesus Christ is worthless. I was born and raised on a farm. I didn't know much. And I thought, boy, we was doing good. Now we sell grain, we ship it all over the world, and people get fed and all this. And after I got saved, I was reading, and it says in the, in the Bible, even the plowing of the furrow is sin. What do I mean? When you get it in context and you look at all this, God said, look, if, if you're feeding, if you're plowing in order to get money for yourself, that's not glorifying me. If you're plowing in order to feed the hungry, that's not glorifying me. God says, whatever you do, if you're not glorifying me, he said, it's, it's empty, it's, it's vain, it's nothing, it's worthless. So all these people building big skyscrapers and big buildings and big businesses and all of these things and thinking they're really, really hot. God can look at them and say, I never knew you. All of what you've been doing is really iniquity. You've not been doing it for me. You've been doing it for yourself. You've been doing it for yourself. Our life is to not only reflect Jesus Christ, but our life is to bring glory and honor. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now watch what they did. Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in him, for God has shown it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no excuse for this. He said in verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they, they knew who God was. Not personally, but they knew about him. It says they glorified him not as God, Neither were thankful, but became vain in their own imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. What happened? Exactly what he's saying back here in chapter 10. They imagined what they wanted as a God. And so that's the standard they put up. Some of them put baptism up. Some of them put church membership up. Some of them just say, join the church, you know, whatever you want. That's not God's standard. And we have changed God's standard. If you, do, if you don't smoke and you don't chew, uh, you, you can go to heaven. I, you don't find that in the Bible. 
We throw things in there and, 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 and God never put them in there. So what do we do about all this? Not only does it result in their own righteousness, but the problem is God's standard is 100% perfection. 100% perfection. That's why he uses the illustration. He said it's like a chain. If, if, if the chain is, is 20 foot long, it doesn't make any difference if you go over here and you break this link or you break the link here or you break the link down there. If you break 10 links or you break one link, it doesn't make any difference. When you've broken one, you've broken the whole chain. He said, that's the way it is about the law. He said, I demand 100% perfection. Okay? Now, how you doing? Anybody here kept the law 100%? We're in serious trouble then. Okay? Because that's what man says. You got to do this, or you got to do this, or you got to do this, or you got to do this. God said it's not all about that. Man's righteousness or the ceremonies and baptism and things of this nature. Now think with me. If I baptize an unbeliever, does that make him a believer? If that does, then what I should do, we should all go out there and grab everybody on the street, drag them in here and, and baptize them, whether they like it or not. That way they get to heaven. Baptism has nothing to do with it. If church membership would get somebody to heaven, what we ought to do is just get the church membership book and start writing names. Put them on the roll. But nobody gets to heaven that way. Then why do we think that if I, if I have church membership, that's going to get me to heaven? You see, we don't think through these things that man has taught us all these different... Well, if I do this ceremony, there's no ceremony going to get you to heaven. So as we look at this thing, it, it's some people, they, they, they teach, the, I, I remember back home, you've got to do good deeds, good deeds. All right, let me ask you, how many? How many good deeds do I have to do to get to heaven? It, where, where is the list of good deeds in the scriptures that I have to do to get to heaven? Now, God doesn't hide salvation. He, if God wanted me to go to heaven by good deeds, he'd tell me which ones and how many. Do I need to do five of these or ten of these? or, or it, That should be on the list somewhere. Where's the list? It's not there. Well, we can't keep the Ten Commandments. We've all testified to that. We, we can't do the good deeds because we don't know which one of them he's wanting us to do. If you ask opinions of which ones, you go around this room and I guarantee you, you'd get, you'd get 100 different opinions of what, what, what good deeds would get our step. Mine would be bringing as much ice cream as you can. <laughs> so who decides what's right? A lot of people have gone to the matter of culture in our day. Culture decides what's right. And that's why 
you have bills go through that allow abortion, allow all the different stuff that's going on. It's, it's just, it's sickening. But culture says it's okay. Well, down in South America, the, uh, let me see, the Koma tribe in Cameroon, in, in, in Nigeria, if you have twins, they bury your twins alive and they bury the mother with the twin because in their culture, you've been cursed if you have more than one. So who, who, who makes the rules? Who sets the standard? Not grandma, not culture, not religion. We have to get back to God's word. And that's what he says here. That's why he goes on and uh, he says in verse number four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. This passage, there's no salvation outside of this. Christ is the end of salvation. He is the fulfillment of salvation. He is the end of the law. There's only two choices. Either you're saved by keeping the law, what you do, or you're saved by Christ, by faith. The law demands 100% perfection, and we've already testified we're not doing so hot in that area, so we, we've got to be saved by Jesus Christ and him alone. It's not what church you join or are a member of. It's do you know Jesus Christ? Jesus fulfilled the law for me. Jesus paid the penalty of the law in my place. That's why he's called the propitiation, my substitute. He paid for, he paid the debt in full on the cross by shedding his blood. He said in verse number five, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law that, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. If you are going to trust in the law to get you to heaven, then you must live by the law every step of the way. Not all 10 commandments, all 635 of them, because that's what the law is. We just take 10 and we put them up there, you know, and say that's the ones. No, no, there's 635 of them. And God says you break one of them. That's why I, I, I laugh many times at, at Seventh-day Adventists because you know, they said, well, we're, we're, we're going to keep the Sabbath. And most of them drive a half mile at least to go to their, their church. They've already broken the Sabbath. You cannot travel over a quarter of a mile on the Sabbath day. So they've already broken the Sabbath. It, it, they don't think these things through. And they don't go back to the Scripture. So Moses describes the righteousness. What are we talking about? What God requires the righteousness of God. He says, he describeth the righteousness, which is the law. That's bogus. You cannot get saved under the law because you have to keep every one of them. But he goes on in verse number six and it shows us great faith. This is great faith. But the righteousness 
which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. He said, the only two choices is law or faith. He said, the law, we know it can't do it. So it has to be by faith. Salvation by faith. And he says, it speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart. This is a term that was used by the Jews that uh, something that is, is, is impossible. You know, we use phrases in our language that indicate other things. This is what this phrase means. He says, who shall ascend to heaven? That's to bring Christ down from above. Uh, they, just impossible. It can't happen. Uh, no one has to go to heaven to find righteousness. Nobody can bring another Messiah. Either he did it all right, 100%, or he's not the Messiah. It's that, that simple. So he goes on in verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? That's to bring up Christ again from the dead. That Again, an ex impossible exaggeration here. No one goes into hell to find righteousness or prove the power of God. We, we don't do that. But, now he's going to explain what he's saying here. But, what saith it? He said, it's not some impossible work that we have to do. He says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, that is, and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. We preach the same gospel in this church that Paul preached. Now, others can't say that. If you preach, or your church preaches, that you can lose your salvation, they're preaching a law or a works salvation. Because they're saying Jesus Christ died for all these other sins, but he didn't die for this one. And so I lose my salvation. If you believe you can lose your salvation, it depends on you, not on him. It doesn't make any difference if you're Catholic, you can lose your salvation. If you're Muslim, you can lose your salvation. Pentecostal, you lose your salvation. Protestant, you lose your salvation. Any religion that teaches that is trusting in the law. And he's saying, he's trying to show them, you cannot be saved by the law. There is only one way to be saved, and that is by faith. Now, as we preach the same gospel of Jesus Christ by faith, we can appropriate salvation through Jesus Christ. Notice what he said in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart. I knew about him for 26 years. And all going to church and all the religious ceremonies and all this, that, and the other. I knew about him up here, but I didn't know him here. If thou believest with thine heart, thou mayest. I used an illustration over in Africa when, that they understood when the rebels were coming in, Coney and his rebels, and we had no idea they were in the country. And I'm preaching to a village and all the villagers are sitting out here and I'm, 
and I'm explaining this same passage and, and I said, God, I need an illustration that they'll understand. And he said, he said this is it. So I said, if, if you're in this village and somebody comes running in that door and they're saying, Coney is coming, Coney is coming. Coney's a rebel that comes in and attacks the high schools and kills the, the teachers and takes the, the high schoolers to be their slaves and their, their army, the child soldiers and everything. And you can't believe the, just the, the things that go on there. Uh, it's what happened over in Israel the other day. It's just, it's wicked. And all of a sudden their eyes got red as, or just big as saucers. They knew what I meant. I said, if you believe in your mind that Coney may be in the area, he may be coming or whatever, and you start asking, well, how far out is he and how, how, you know, how many people he got with us and does he have a good army or does he have a, just a little army? By then you're dead. But I said, if you believe with your heart that Coney's coming in this village, I said, you will jump and run out the other side of this village as fast as your heart will take you. I had no idea that that night Coney, the rebels, would hit that village. And I had pleaded and pleaded with them and no one would receive Christ as their Savior. Many of them burning in hell today. And they heard the gospel, the righteousness of God, that they could be saved. And I preach in churches all over America. And I see people that they know they're not saved. They're religious like Israel. They have the Bible. They have churches. They sing songs. They do all of these things, but they have never accepted the fact that they are wicked lost sinners and that they deserve to die and go to hell and that the only way for them is by faith in Jesus Christ it's not what they do it's not by keeping the law it is only by faith in Jesus Christ that will give you salvation and thank God when I heard that message over in Spain many years ago I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you, many of you that know, know me, it's not me that's any good. It's him. He's the one that saves us. Now, notice he goes on in, in that verse, verse number 10. He says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you believe in your heart that you are separated from a holy God, that you are lost and you are wicked before a holy, righteous, 100% God, and you simply, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And believe that with your heart. And with your mouth, you say, God, would you save my wretched soul? He said, I'll save you. I'll give you eternal life. That's why he said, goes on in verse number 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
The word they're ashamed here, those who put their faith in Christ, they'll not be disappointed. He'll not disappoint you when, when you put your faith in him. He'll give you eternal life just like he promised. Verse 12, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich into all that call upon him. Everybody's saved the same way. Everybody's saved the same way. When did you get saved? When did you realize that you were lost, separated from a holy, righteous God? And you simply put your faith and trust in him, saying, I'm not doing so hot. I'm, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I'm wicked. My mind, my heart, it's full of iniquity. It's full of sin. Oh, God, I can't go to heaven without you. Save my wretched soul. It's not in the words you say. It's what you believe in your heart. And when you ask God with a true heart, to come into your heart and save you, he'll give you eternal life just like he promised. But if you go ahead and try to keep keeping the law, doing it on your own, well, I'm a pretty good person, <laughs> you're going to find out the definition of a pretty good person isn't God's. And he'll have to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He doesn't want that. I don't want that. People in this church that are saved don't want that. You can be a member of this church and die and go to hell. It's not in church membership. It's in Jesus Christ. That's why thanksgiving is so, so important that we stop and give him thanks for what he's done. And that's why Christmas is so important that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior and what he did for us. And that's why we celebrate Easter. He rose from the dead, sealing my pardon and my forgiveness. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Thou art worthy. Oh, God. Are you saved this morning? Do you truly know if you died this very moment, if you had a heart attack and before your body hit the ground, would you be in heaven or hell? I can honestly say, for 26 years, I hoped God would just kind of work it out and hope the scales would tip my way. But after September 21st, 1975, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he gave me eternal life, I know that if, this, if I die right now, before my body hit this floor, I'd be in heaven with Jesus. And you can't buy that. Not because of me because of him are you saved this morning if not make this the day of your salvation if if paul would not have acknowledged and understood that israel was lost he would never have continued to give them the gospel if you don't look at your family and your friends and your neighbors and realize some, these people, they say they're Christians, they say they're, they're going to heaven, but until you understand the righteousness of God, you're going to just let them walk right on into hell because you won't give them the gospel because they said they was a Christian. 
Want another drink? No. Come to Jesus Christ and do everything in your power this holiday season to bring them to Jesus Christ. Because it's going to be too late. And one of these days, if you can't see it on the, on the headlines, Jesus is coming. And we got to be ready. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever means anybody. What a great salvation you've given to us. And Lord, as we this morning, those that are not saved, if they would call on you, not for help, not for healing, but being saved from their sins. Father, I don't know anyone's heart here this morning. You do. And I pray that you would speak to hearts. Lord, convict where there needs to be salvation. Lord, encourage where there's those that are saved and that love you. And those, that have, those of us that are not doing what we're supposed to, to honor you with our lives and tell people about Jesus. God, convict our hearts that we might do better for you, that we might honor you. Thou art worthy. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet, please?